0: God is wonderfully great. And what I want to talk about today is creating an atmosphere for unwavering belief. Now obviously, as Adrian said, we're not really creating an atmosphere for God. We are, however, creating an atmosphere in which it is easier for us. To believe what God has said. Anytime atmosphere changes. It's for us. God is atmosphere. If you read the scriptures from the beginning all the way to the end. Everywhere God is. Especially in the Old Testament presentations. Of how he presented himself to Moses. His atmosphere was lightning and thunder. He in his presence, scorched the top of a mountain when he came to sit and talk with Moses. He is atmosphere in every way, and any time we're in his presence, we are in his atmosphere. So when you and I talk about creating atmosphere, I want to talk about us learning how to create an atmosphere of unwavering belief. Any of you ever waver in your believing? When we ran into all of these things uh, over a month ago now with Josh, we ran into a time when we were challenged in what we believed. Around the world, there were thousands of people praying. Thousands of people. I'm not exaggerating when I say tens of thousands of people. Andrew Womack called Carrie one day, encouraged her and said, Listen, we're praying, we're believing. Others of, of notoriety around the world called and said, We're praying and we're believing. She got texts from Switzerland. She got texts from Australia. In all that they're going through in some of these countries, she got texts of people saying, We're believing. And they continued to believe, and we continue to believe, I believed right up to the day we had the funeral, and I even spoke to the casket and said, you can bust open any time and let him out. <clears throat> now, I didn't make a loud declaration of that, but I did speak to that. His dad believed even up to the time at the cemetery. Even though we had had the message from Mother um, Bowen, Uh, from out in the Carolinas, who is a tremendous man of faith and a solid man of the word. And we continued to believe, and then God and Josh had their way. What surprised me, though, was the way many people responded on Facebook and in texts. Chiding and chastising, saying we gave up, and all kinds of other kind of junk. Trying to discourage and trying to dissuade. Well, this past week, we were praying for Sam here. Sam had been rushed up to St. Louis. Sam was having an extremely difficult time, our brother Sam. But here he is, and God's working on his life. So we believe. Now, in the book, you know, this is a wonderful book. So I say in the book, you can say in the Bible, it's the same thing. In chapter 9 of Mark, we find a story in verse 14. Jesus, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with him. Immediately when they saw him and all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him and he asked the scribes what are you discussing with him and one of the crowd answered and said teacher I brought you my son who was a has a mute spirit wherever it seizes him it throws him down he foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear, tolerate, or put up with you? Then he said, Bring him to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately The spirit, the demon, convulsed him. He fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood, now, I want you to get a picture, okay? It's a young man. It's not a child. It's a young man. He's laying on the ground, growling, foaming at the mouth convulsing in all different manners. He's going through all this stuff. And Jesus looks over to Dad in our vernacular. How long has this been going on? Not, oh, I've got to do something quick. i got to hurry. No, he just said, how long has this been happening? How long has this been going on? And he said, from childhood. That's why we know he's a young man. Okay. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. How many times do we go to God in prayer? Oh God, if you can. Or if you will. Oh Lord. Now, now, I don't want to make anybody upset. But we got to learn how to pray properly instead of following through on all these silly ways that we've done all our life by praying out of our emotion rather than out of the word. So we'll get to that. So Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, if you highlight your Bible, you need to highlight that. Then you need to put a bookmark there. And you need to go back to that verse as often as necessary and repeat it, and I encourage you to repeat it a lot. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears. "Can can Can I give you a little theatrics? It'll sound kind of silly maybe to some of you, but give me the advantage of age and realize I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. 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 Does that sound familiar to anybody? Jesus. I believe. I think, I think I believe. I'm pretty sure I believe. Well, maybe I do. I might. But can you help my unbelief? Can you help my unbelief? when Jesus saw the people were running in there to, to watch. They weren't running to Jesus. They were running to watch. You know how when an accident happens on the highway and suddenly everybody stops to watch and ties up the traffic and they call them gander necks, the police do, because they've got to see what's going on. People want to see what's going on. Good or bad, they want to see what's going on. What's odd is that people want to see more of what's going on in the bad than they do the good. So when he saw him, he rebuked the unclean spirit, said to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead. So the judges, you know, every voice raised against you in judgment, the judges decided he's dead because he looked like he was dead. He acted like he was dead. So they all determined he's dead. So Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose when he had come into the house, and he arose. So he gave him to his dad, and the dad and him took off. They go into a house. They go to talking. Now this is me. I'm not quoting the scripture anymore. And they said, what in the world went on there? Why in the world, why could we not get that done? Now, we've been in these cities. We've seen people healed. We've seen all kinds of demons cast out. We even came back to you, and we were celebrating how this all happened. And now here this dude is, and we couldn't do anything. What, what happened? And Jesus said, well, this kind doesn't come but by fasting and prayer. So let me ask you something about that statement. Where did Jesus pray in that statement? Yeah. This lady over here said he didn't. Because he didn't. Why? Because he had already been praying. Fasting and prayer brings you closer to an understanding of God's will and brings you more relevant information from the Holy Spirit than what your daily activities block out. So fasting and prayer was essential to the necessity to know what is going to be done and how it's going to be done. Remember Jesus said, I don't do anything except I see my father do it. I don't say anything except I hear my father say it. Everything I do is about my father. In John, in fact, he was asked, well, show us a father. And he said, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I've been so long time with you, and yet you don't even know who I am. Well, Hebrews 11 and 6 says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. <clears throat> First order of creating the atmosphere of unwavering belief is to believe God. Believe He is. You can add anything to that word. We know God is love, we know God is power, we know He's omnipresent, omniscient, uh, omnipotent. We know, we know. We know. What do we know about God as we say He is? Question your own mind. Think about it in your own heart. In fact, meditate on it. what do I really know about God? And that will establish the first order of your belief system. Do I really believe God? This book called the Bible is the literary expression. Of the very God. From Genesis to Revelation 22, the last verse. This describes his will, his ways, and it gives us a demonstrative letter of his acts. Everything about him is in the volume of this book. He even says it in places in the volume of my book. Now then, so our first order is to believe that he is. That he is God. That he is awe and wonderful. That he is glorious. And that he is. First Peter 1, 13-16 says something very, very interesting for you and I, if we can get hold of it. And it tells us basically in 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So what is he telling you and I? He says, be obedient. So we believe that he is, then we're obedient to his word. Jesus said, you say you believe, and yet you don't do what I command. You say you believe, and yet you're not acting like I said to act. You declare your belief, and yet your actions are giving away the fact. You're wavering in your belief. So we have to understand, it is our point of God's purpose that we will be obedient to His Word. So let's look at what has been said in His Word over the last several weeks. Tim Woodson came. I've known Tim a long time. And Tim brought probably one of the best messages I've ever heard out of him, other than when he's prophesied, because that's God speaking and not Tim. So, but even in that, God was using Tim to stir us to an understanding of it's time to get passionate about God in everything, in all that he is. Get passionate about him. He stirred us with that. He talked about that. He encouraged us with it. Then along comes Tim Gidley. And I've known Tim almost as long as I've known the other Tim. I knew him when he was a bus driver who would unload the drums and the sound systems and set it all up for Donnie and Reba. And they would come to the church. I knew him when they they drove a a van and went from a van to a luxury bus. And I know Tim in his obedience and in his calling (coughs) even then. See, Tim was obedient, Tim Gidley, was obedient to his calling to serve while God was building him to minister. He could sing back then, but he never got the chance much then over time as Donnie and Reba would work with him they would give him opportunity to sing and it was tremendous but he was learning and obedience and he learned obedience through serving now I know that's a word not really popular when it comes to preachers because usually when we're talking about serving we're about to ask you to clean the restroom or straighten out the kitchen or do something else we might even ask you to take care of the nursery we might even come along and say hey how about helping Miss Noel with the children's ministry or whatever but you see in obedience we gain obedience by learning to serve in this life well I want to serve Jesus well good I just named some of the places. We used to, one of my elders decided to buy a big barbecue cooker. Now, this thing was a huge trailer. We cooked three whole hogs every weekend. We'd have them butchered and split. We'd put them up in this cooker, and it would cook for like however many hours. I don't know. I wasn't a cook. All I did was go pick up the porkers and bring them out there and we'd throw them on that big old thing and they'd cook them and then they'd serve. So we had guys that wanted to be in ministry. Guess what they got to do? They got to watch the cooker at night (laughs) till one of them went to sleep and burned it up. But anyway, but they would talk about the school of ministry and how they were learning In that time frame. I mean it's funny but it was true. And they were learning. And we were seeing God do some tremendous things. And we watched over the years and I continue to watch. On what is happening in obedience. So Tim comes, Tim Gidley. And he starts talking about faith. Well faith is another term that we understand about believing. But the word belief that I'm talking about today, let me, let me just give you a quick definition of this thing. Belief, confidence, trust. thats what, That which we accept as true. Our convictions. So wavering is to fluctuate in opinion, to fluctuate in allegiance, or to fluctuate in direction. So an unwavering belief is one who ceases to fluctuate in the opinion or the allegiance to God because we have great confidence and trust and we accept as true every word in the book. Now, the Bible tells us to try the spirits, however, to see if they're of God. We're even told to test the prophets in this life. Okay? But when we know that we know that the prophet is speaking and we know it's from God, then we're to stand firm and unwavering in our belief that what God said, God's going to do. So over this last several months, we've had the word of the Lord come. On December the 19th, Holy Spirit graced me with the privilege to stand here and talk from him. And so for some 30 minutes or so, whatever it was, I just spoke and let the Holy Spirit do the speaking. And he told us in that time, in the latter part of that message that he gave us, that he wanted you and I to begin to understand our position as Christ in us to walk as royalty, to walk in that place of a royal priesthood. And last Sunday, or whenever it was, the Lord began to speak to me about that. And I want to give you something. Because when we hear people talk about, let's walk as royalty, if we don't keep us under the blood, if we don't keep us under humility, And if we don't keep us under subjection to walk as royalty for us, is everybody look at me. But real royalty walks as a servant. Real royalty walks with the understanding that when I'm walking, I'm walking, now listen, please listen. I'm walking with the authority to do something about the problem. Royalty of that type walks through humanity with an understanding, whatever problem I face, God has given me the answer and empowered me to bring the victory. So when I'm walking as royalty in this life, I'm walking with an understanding, eyes wide open, watching, looking, and listening for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct, just like Jesus did, to have compassion on those who need compassion, to bring a strong word to those who need a strong word, and to bring deliverance to everyone who is captive. The scripture says in Acts how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed to the devil. So when we say that, I speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety, over depression. You have the power within you by the Holy Spirit to speak in Jesus' name and break depression and bring victory over every person. how do we do that? Well, it's in the scripture. You've got to study the word in order to be approved. So Peter says, we've got to be obedient. The word of God has said things he's going to do in us, that this is a house of healing, that this is a house of his glory, that this is a house of his goodness, that this is a place where we'll see tremendous things. We, we had the message from Ken Henry about the light scrolls. You know what light scrolls are? They're scroll, They're the word of God coming out of heaven to each person who will receive it. The message from the Holy Spirit for you at that moment. Light being understanding. All right, let's go on. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast our confession. So we're to believe that he is. We're to be obedient to his word. And we're to hold fast to our confession. Over the last two months, we've been challenged greatly to hold fast to our confession. And we were in times past. We've been that way over and over throughout our lives. When our son-in-law had cancer. She and I ended up at the hospital at the same time. Oddly, at the same time he was going to die, we ended up in the hospital together. Separate rooms, obviously. And we couldn't do a thing. We had been praying and believing, and we still believed while in the hospital when he died. We got A nurse came in and handed me the phone so my daughter could tell me, Her husband just went to be with Jesus. Yet, we held firm to our confession. Heather told the funeral director when he took him to the the place, and she said, be sure you leave the door unlocked. She said, Dad, I know it was stupid because if he gets up, locked doors are not going to be a problem. But I just thought, and she knew the guy So she I just thought well that's what I'm going to tell him Be sure and leave the door unlocked Because I'm believing God to raise him up And yet We had his funeral However We didn't quit In our believing For our confession So last April when I died In a chair in church Not this church But in church Sherry hollers out, help me. Somebody runs and gets Kent, Pastor Kent. Huh? Josh runs and gets Pastor Kent. He comes down there. I don't know any of this, obviously. I'm gone, or at least I'm conked out. They said I was dead, so I have to believe them, and they being a a paramedic and a ICU nurse and a cardiac nurse all said I was dead. But they prayed, and I'm not dead anymore. You see, do not lose your confession. Whatever the circumstance, whatever is going on, hold fast to every promise. I like it. We used to sing the chorus, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting in his love divine because every promise in the book is mine. Hold fast to your confession. Psalms 119 27 the psalmist says make me understand the way of your precepts so shall I meditate on your wonderful works Philippians 4 and 8 think Weigh and take account of. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Meditate on them, think on them, take an accounting of them. Is this really what I'm thinking? Let's talk about Jesus. Let's change our, let's talk Jesus. Man, I'm glad you said that. I, I'm going to wait on you to preach that fully. It won't be long, okay? Because I've been talking to somebody. It won't be long. And you're going to preach that. But let's talk Jesus. If we're going to hold fast, we're going to believe that he is, we're going to be obedient to his word, we're going to talk about him, we're going to think about him, we're going to meditate on him, we're going to concentrate on him, we're going to give ourselves wholly to him. We are going to make Jesus preeminent in this house. Programs are not preeminent. Worship music is not preeminent. Nothing in his house is preeminent above God. That would be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as he moves, we move. What he says, we say. What he does, we do. In this house, at this moment, we talk Jesus talk. We believe in Jesus. We talk about his glory, his grace, his power, his spirit. After all, what did he tell us in that time back in December? He said, I am in you and I want to be in you and I want to walk with you. This is not exactly what it said. You'd have to go back and look it up. I want to walk with you every moment of every day. I want you so aware of my presence in you. Not something you have to go look for anymore. Not something we have to get on an altar and cry and carry on, but something that is deep inside of us that says, I know you're here. I know you're here. I used to love to sing the song in the garden. He walks with me, he talks with me, he tells me I'm his own. And I sing it on a basis not of Adam but of me because I know he walks with me every day. And believe me, I've taken him places he did not want to be. In a bar in Springfield, Illinois, I heard the Holy Spirit say, what are we doing here? Well, I didn't have a real good answer. So I had to leave. He's with us. But you see, I had been taught that if I went there, he wouldn't be with me. So you can imagine the conviction and the confusion when I suddenly hear his voice. Now, you may not believe it, and I don't care whether you do or not. I lived it. I heard it audibly. And I was with a whole bunch of guys, and not one of them heard anything, but I did. Just as clear, I looked around to see which one of them was talking. Because he is with us. If you've ever asked him to be with you, he hasn't left you. Nor will he ever leave you. You can die in your sin, but you'll do it all the time. He's right there ready to take your hand and bring you out of it. We're going to talk Jesus on the basis of we are going to build a mighty, mighty atmosphere of unwavering belief we are no longer going to fluctuate in our opinion no longer are we going to fluctuate in our allegiance. it's God or nothing it's his power or nothing it's his spirit or nothing we are going to move operate and act in and through him he made known his will by the book He made known his way. In John 3, 16 and 17, we most all of us can quote that, and I'm hurrying. In in that portion of scripture, for God so loved the world. All right, so we've got an established fact. He is the lover of mankind. But he also is the lover of this planet. I believe that. He made it. He thinks it's beautiful. He's not real happy as some of our ignorance, but he thinks his creation is beautiful. That he gave. First order is he, he gave. He loved us so much that he gave himself, his only begotten son. And he established a fact in that one verse. Whosoever believes in him. Are you a whosoever? You better ask yourself that really. Am I really one of them whosoever's? It's like the comedian said his mama would have him standing by him in church and they'd sing Amazing Grace. And they'd they'd sing the part that saved a wretch like me. And Simbad said he'd look up, he was a little boy, and he'd look up at mama. Mama, am I a wretch? She said, you sure are. That's how we feel sometimes. But he loved the world so much he gave himself through Jesus Christ that if we will believe on him, we will not perish. Perish doesn't mean die. Perish means totally isolated and separated from his presence for all eternity. That we should not perish but have everlasting life. 17 says, "But he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world. So when you're busy talking about the condemnation of God against the world, you're missing the point. Not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you read, and I encourage you to do this, study Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel as the major prophets. And look what he does, especially Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Ezekiel lays out every country that fought against Israel and what's going to happen to them. Jeremiah lays out everything Israel has done to violate their covenant with God and what's going to happen to them as a result. But in every one of those books, he always comes back to the God of love, the God of grace, The God of restoration and the God of reconciliation. So you can read all of them and you can become a fire and brimstone judgmental prophet if you want to. But you're missing the point. And to be honest with you, you're not really speaking out of God's word. Because you left out the part of the grace and the mercy and the goodness and the reconciliation and the restoration of all things. You leave out what God intends to do because you don't know His way. You see His will in judgment, but you don't see His way in reconciliation. You see His will in condemnation, but you don't see His way in love. And you must see his way. Now if you will look at his acts, you will see not only his will, you'll know his way, and you can study his being and what he does. It's why it's called, now it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but if the apostles were here, they'd tell whoever put that title on that book, no, you missed it. It's the Acts of God through us. It's the acts of Holy Spirit in us. It's the acts of Jesus empowering us. If you can grab that. I mean lay hold of it. And don't let it go. We're watching his acts. Ms. Sherry gave you that testimony. We saw God's acts and are still seeing them. However odd it sounds in the death of Josh. Because you see, the prophet spoke, if you watched the service, Brother Bowen, that Jesus said to him, I'll take care of carrying the boys. And if you watched it, Kenny made a statement that he didn't have insurance. But they're being cared for. God has seen to it that resources are coming in. The church has stepped up, and their finance manager has stepped up to direct things. God is following through with his word. God always follows through with his word. Things Sherry and I have gone through over the years, God has made a promise. He's always stuck to his word, his promise. Things seem to fall apart. God's word is still true. Things seem to have been undone. But God's word brings it all back together. Things seem to be in in distress, and yet God brings us out of the distress and sets us in high places. Things seem to be lost, and yet, there they are. We find them fully and completely. Things seem to be in trouble, and yet I read where Jesus said, I've overcome trouble. And so he carries us through the trouble. And brings us to the other side. So let me ask you in this demonstration. Of creating an atmosphere. Of unwavering belief. Where have we put him? Where have we placed him? In the book of Colossians. Verse number 19 as I close. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. That is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. Not just people. Look at this. All things. To reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross, peace being peace between us and God. When Jesus finished the work, when he said it's finished on Calvary's tree, and they took him down and they put him in the tomb, when he said it is finished, the enmity, the division, the separation of you and God the Father was taken care of because at that time the Bible says the veil was rent into from the top down meaning God himself said no longer will I tolerate a division between me and my creation his love for you rent a veil that would have been forever a problem man could never get close to God Beyond the just bringing a sacrifice and letting the priest bring it. But now he's opened it up and he said, come unto me all. Come all, all of you. Don't worry about it. Come, come, come. He said, there's no division anymore. There's no separation. You can come to me. It doesn't matter what you've done. I visited with murderers in prison and they've come to Jesus. I've been with rapists, and they've come to Jesus. I've been with the homosexuals who came to Jesus, and God set them free. I've been with children, little children, in mental institutions, and watched Jesus set them free. I've walked through this life long enough to know that he is faithful in everything he has said. And he's carrying us through. He's carrying us through. And you, you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Anybody in here ever been an enemy of God with the wickedness of our minds? Well, one honest man. There's a few more now, barely creeping up. Isn't it interesting if I'm talking to you about how many of you believe in healing? How many of you are going to be honest about? (laughs) That's all right. He knows anyway. That's the thing about God. You can't hide. You just can't hide. I thought I could hide. I couldn't. He was there all the time. In the body of his flesh. He has reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And above reproach in his sight. So those of you who are still walking around, letting your mind bring shame upon you, shame off of you, how many times people say, shame on you? Growing up, I'd do enough. Mom would say, shame on you. I learned to say, shame off of you. I'm not going to say shame on you anymore. It's shame off of you. He took our shame. He took it off. He removed it from us. We no longer come into his sight, which is all the time. With reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, there's that if word, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope, unwavering, not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Do you see what Paul said there? The gospel which is preached to every creature under heaven. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached throughout the world. Then shall the end come. We are at that moment. We are at that time. I have friends who are still going into jungle regions looking for unreached people groups. And even today, they're still finding them, especially in South America. But they're receiving Jesus at a rapid pace. Pastor gave us a testimony Wednesday night about the Mormons out in Utah in this one particular area. And they're coming in and like a group of 50 or more, I don't remember. I, I, would, I wasn't privy to the story in the beginning. But they all gave their hearts to Jesus. And they're coming from all over. Right now in Afghanistan, people are having experiences with Jesus walking into their houses. And they're coming to Christ in, the, in huge numbers. They're coming to Jesus in Muslim countries, right and left. They're coming to Jesus. You can't imagine how many thousands come to Jesus every day in China in the underground churches. Everywhere Jesus is being preached, people are coming to him. Everywhere, as Adrian said, they pray and ask Holy Spirit, where do we go to meet today? And he guides them and they walk right into it with the glory. I had a friend who got the set up like you were talking about. One of the team sent him a text on the phone, said, "The Bibles are here. Here's where you meet me." The officials were there. This guy's wife was arrested. I don't even remember how many months Brother Mac's wife was gone, and he knew he didn't know where she was. He had attorneys who were working to try to find her. They couldn't find her. Nobody knew where she was. Finally the Lord intervened and let her out and set her free. They don't mind. Another guy I know, he will slip into these countries like Myanmar. I can say it because it's still working. He'll go in the back door, preach Jesus, everybody in the place will be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll go out the back door when the government officials come in. One fellow I know in Africa, he was doing that during the rebellion, during all of the murders. And he'd go out the back door and they'd come in, the front door, and they'd kill everybody in the room. But everybody in the room went to see Jesus. Same thing in India. A friend of mine preaches in northern parts of India. And while he's there, he's preaching. And the Lord told him they, they were not supposed to baptize. So they went out and back, dug a big hole, put a bunch of water in it, baptize everybody that came into the place, preach the gospel, everybody gets saved. The Hindus come in, or Hindis rather, they come in the front door, he's going out the back door, he's leaving and he can hear the cries and the worship while they're being killed. And they're praising Jesus in the midst of it. This is now, this is not years ago. This is going on now. And everywhere in the world, The gospel is preached. People are running to Jesus. And he's setting them free. And he's doing it here. Let's create an atmosphere of unwavering belief right here in our own hearts first. Because if you will create it in your own heart, then you will stir it, or we will, Let's just do it. We will stir it in our households, in our families, and then into our extended families. And when we live in that unwavering belief, then it will fill this house. And we will be constantly inundated with God's glorious testimonies of the freedom of people who were lost and now are found who were bound but are now set free, stirring up and creating an atmosphere of unwavering belief to see God's glory.